0: The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Devo. Well, should we start with the good news or the bad news? Let's do the good news first because the glass is usually half full here on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo on your dish. Glad you're along. The good news is the Royals have four all-stars with Salvi and Haas starting... Herrera and Wade Davis, plus the coaching staff and Ned Yost as well. The bad news, of course, is that Davis is obviously injured, so he will not be participating in the All-Star game with Brooks Pounders recalled, with Wade Davis having some forearm issues. Uh, The other good news is it sounds as though, knock on wood, it's nothing to do with the elbow or any of those ligaments down there because... The Royals have said they will not be ordering an MRI on Wade Davis. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, he's back with Lorenzo Cain right after the All-Star break. It's retroactive to July 1st is the deal. But unfortunately, that's not the only bad news because, I mean, Wade Davis being injured, so is Moose, so is Cain, so is Minor, so is Zimmer, so is Collins, so is Holland. Maybe Chris Medlin is. We'll talk about that coming up here in a few minutes. And, of course, we've seen Salvi miss a good week and Alex Gordon miss extended amounts of time. And it's just not been the Royals' year on the injury front. And the Royals look, quite honestly, tired and overmatched. Mainly overmatched. Uh, for a good majority of this season, sans about three weeks. I mean, if you look at the the Royals, are still a few games above five hundred. obviously. I get that. And the Royals are still in the postseason hunt. But if you look at the season, yes, there's been a lot of bipolar streaks that we joke about where the Royals have been either red hot or ice-cold. I think the mean of this season, if you look at the mean of how they've played and just look outside the numbers, the Royals have had a number of games they've given away, yes, but also a number of games that were kind of given to them. We saw the Cardinals give them one on this trip with their horrendous defense, possibly two. You could argue both of those two games. And the Royals had only one really good complete game, but Danny Duffy on the mound Saturday in Philadelphia. They've gotten wiped pretty much the rest of the road trip definitely these two games in Toronto have gotten absolutely hammered. The scores have been closer than the games ever were. I mean, Toronto predictably lights Chris Young up like a Christmas tree tonight, wins 8-3. to three. It felt a lot worse than 8-3, to three, didn't it? I mean, the game was over early. And we said coming in to this road trip here on Clubhouse Conversation that the Royals' postseason chances would be defined during this road trip. I thought a 4-4 four and four road trip, the Royals were going to stay in it, Anything more than that, you know, obviously they ran it. And anything less than that was going to be iffy. And I know that it's tough to at any point of a 162-game season define anything by one or two games in a seven-game stretch. I get that. So, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying if you're, if you're kind of rolling your eyes right now. But we're to the point of the year. We're over the halfway point now. Cleveland continues to run and hide. Uh, the Royals are doubtful in catching the Indians. We'll talk more about that coming up here in a few minutes and why I believe that. But the, the most important thing is the Royals just have so many damn injuries. And it's like every day somebody else gets hurt. Kane recently in the last week. And that, now Davis. It's like, who's next? It's like every day. Just when you think the Royals are about to get healthy throughout the year, you get Gordon back or you get Salvia back. Okay, we're going to be healthy. You know, Moose has got for the year. We knew that. But you get you know Gordon and Salvia back. You're like, okay, we're about to be healthy again. You know, Salvia's back and Gordon will be back in a few weeks. And he gets back and you're like, okay, now we can start building. And then Kane gets hurt. And all of a sudden, then Davis gets hurt. It's, like, it's just like a merry-go-round of injuries. That's a big part, obviously, of why the Royals are struggling to keep their head above water this year. And any team, let's be real, any team losing, the Royals have three starters out right now. Three all-stars out right now, I, should, I meant to say. Three all-stars out right now with Davis, Moose, and Kane. How many teams in the major leagues can withstand that? Not many. Maybe a team like Cleveland, who's without their best offensive player because of that ridiculous rotation. But not too many teams are going to be able to withstand that, right? So you have to look at it that way. The Royals, besides that, look a little bit tired. And you have to think some of the injuries are due to the late runs into late October or, in the case of two years ago, into November. I mean, some of that's because of that. The Royals haven't had much time off, and they really have been remarkably healthy and stayed, you know, very well healthy. And and that's changing this year in, in a big way. So the other problem is you look at you. You can crunch numbers however you want. Cleveland plays 500 ball from here on out. They're going to win over 90 games, and I'm pretty sure Cleveland's going to be better than 500 the rest of the way with a number of games left against teams like Minnesota. The White Sox are certainly going to be sellers. The Royals themselves don't have the starting pitching to match Cleveland. I know they swept them recently, but were swept earlier this year by Cleveland. In the grand scheme, the Royals probably aren't going to win the head-to-head match with Cleveland. So. I'm not going to concede the division. It's early for that, and anything could happen. Cleveland could have a couple of injuries. The Royals could somehow get some guys healthy and click, and go on another you know 15 or 16 out of 20 stretch, including you know 750 ball the rest of the year against Cleveland. It, it, but that's what it would take at this point to get back in this. I mean, the game there's still plenty of season in, on one regard, but you're down to less than 80 games. Let's not act like there's a ton of baseball left. And the Royals now will be eight back of Cleveland with less than 80 games to go. The Royals are setting themselves up where they basically have to almost sweep Cleveland head-to-head at this point. You know, with already having half of the season series already done. And Cleveland's got a number of games against cake opponents. And Cleveland's going to add, guys. Michael Brantley could be coming back. He's their best offensive player. To a lineup that already has Tyler Naquin, the rookie. How do you take him out of the lineup? He just is on a a torrid stretch. Look up his stats if you haven't. Lonnie Chisholm has been hitting. I mean, throughout that lineup, Lindor's on fire. Kipnis is, is a solid to good second baseman who probably will perform a little bit better than he has in the first half. Napoli is turned into the savior. You've got Carlos Santana. I mean, it's just a really good team. They don't have too many holes in that team. The holes would be their bullpen and maybe minus one bat. But if they get Brantley back, and even if they don't get Brantley back, it's still iffy, they'll go make a move for a bat. And surely they're going to make a move for another bullpen arm. So Cleveland's only going to get better. And I'm not saying this to depress anybody here. The, The Royals are still very much in the postseason hunt. But realistically... One way to help us all cope a little bit better and not be so down, because let's face it, of course there's more important things in life than the Royals, and, and the Royals making the playoffs. Nobody's arguing that. But if you're investing enough time in this team to watch them every game every day and go out to the games and listen to this show, obviously you care more than the average person. And to stay sane during stretches like this, you have to remember and stay focused on things that are attainable. And that's the wild card now. Catching Cleveland is just going to depress you if you start looking at the scoreboard every day and think about it, especially because they made Detroit their complete daddy. They could legit almost sweep the season series. Are they eleven and zero now? I believe against Detroit, they <laughs> they could easily go fifteen and three or sixteen and two against Detroit. Not to mention all the games against Minnesota they have left. It ain't looking good in that regard for the Royals to catch them, right? With adding players. But it's still possible for the Royals to get that wild card. Because even after tonight, the Royals will be either two and a half or three games back of a wild card. That's the good. The bad is that you've got six teams within four games of it. So there's six other teams, or five other teams, I should say. Five other teams competing with the Royals for those wild card spots. And if one or two of those teams catch fire or go out and make a big move or two, which I don't think the Royals will or should then the royals are in trouble there too. So if you look at this realistically, the royals are in trouble for the postseason this year. Are they out? No, not at all. Is this road trip literally defining their season? No. There's been a lot of other games and there will be a lot more games too. But because the other reason I said because the other reason I said that this this road trip would kind of define their season. Is because you have to see if you're going to be a buyer or a seller. If you have a really good road trip and you cut that lead you know, down to four against Cleveland and you've got the wild card lead and you're heading into the all-star break, then all of a sudden you've only got a week and a half, two weeks till the all-star break. You can start thinking about who you're going to add and what you're going to do, who you're willing to give up. If you struggle really bad and go two and six or maybe even three and five on this trip, you almost have to say, well, we either stay the same or we think about potentially selling one or two pieces that we don't expect to be back next year. And if you go somewhere in the middle, you're probably going to tread water, which I think is what the Royals are going to do. The Royals are too good and have too big of a future in 2017 to think about dismantling anything. They're not going to be sellers. Unless somehow the Royals tank it, then maybe you could see an argument for giving up Morales or Volquez. Those would be the only two key pieces of this team that could go. I'm saying that the Royals somehow get four or five games under 500 at the trade deadline, like July 30th or 31st. If you're, you know, 12 out of the division and seven out of the wild card with two months left, then yes, maybe you can think about dealing somebody like Morales or Volquez who's in the last year of a deal with an option year and probably not back next year. Otherwise, there ain't anything the Royals are going to sell. So they ain't going to be sellers this year. But do you really think they're going to be buyers? Should you really give up anything more when you really only have three or four blue-chip-type prospects? And I'm a long... A long arguer, and I believe heavily that the Royals have a lot more depth and prospects in the system than anybody gives them credit for. I believe there's a lot of guys down there, like just like Brooks Pounders. Another five or ten guys just like him who are just as good, who have just as good of an upside, and he has a big upside. I, I really believe in Brooks, and we'll talk about him in a few minutes here. I keep saying that a few minutes. Apparently, it's going to be a long dish tonight because I've got a lot that I keep promising we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Anyway... Uh, I don't know. I just don't think you should reach down. And the other the other portion of that is even if you give up a couple guys like pounders or whoever, you're still not going to be able to get Rich Hill. You know, you're not going to get the top starters because guess what? There's eight to ten other teams that want them too that will overpay more than the Royals can and should. So you're kind of left with the guys like Dan Straley, maybe Matt Moore, but probably even he's too expensive. You keep hearing some of those types of names. Those are the type of guys that the Royals could possibly get. But again, you can't get those guys until closer to the trade deadline because it's too expensive right now. No one's making moves, you know, outside of a James Shields trade or a Bud Norris. No nobody like that. No one is going to make a big difference for the Royals right now. Those types of guys aren't going to make any any sort of difference for the Royals right now. Right? And it's too early to get a guy like a Dan Straley or a Matt Moore, realistically, or even a Jeremy Hellickson, because the price is too high. The price will come down the closer we get to July 31st. The problem, though, is if the Royals lose too much more ground, they're not going to be in a position where they should buy. Because if you lose too much more ground, you got to think 2017. And you saw a great team back next year on paper if they stay healthy and a chance to add one or two pieces in the offseason when it'll be a lot cheaper than during the month of July. So that's the other issue. And that's why I say this road trip was so important. That That's kind of my reasoning because this road trip sets you up for the rest of the year. It, it helps you decide what you're going to be at the deadline and going forth to mid to late July. Other bad news is the Royals are now... Are going to be only a half game up on the White Sox for fourth place in the AL Central. The White Sox, assuming they end up losing to the Yankees, right now they're tied with the Royals. But when they lose that game, they'll be a half game behind the Royals for fourth place. So again, you got a lot of teams jumbled up there, and it's you know the Royals are really a bad week away from being in the lower half of the American League in the standings. So yes, they're still in it, but at this point, it's still early enough where they're kind of in it by default, and we'll see where they end up over the next couple of weeks. And as we approach July, and see what other teams do as well. You know It's tough. But remember the last two years. Royals have been into two World Series in a row. They won the crown. It's all over their sleeves. They get to wear those awesome Friday night jerseys, which they won't get to wear next year if they don't win at all. But... The year is not over. Again, it's not looking good right now. We're not going to sugarcoat things. We're going to stay positive and realistic. It's not over, but it certainly isn't looking good. I don't think anybody in their right mind, if they could make a bet right now, straight-up money would take the Royals to make the playoffs. Not straight-up money, at least. Maybe if you've got some odds. But the Royals are still in great shape, too. No matter what happens this year, they're still in great shape for 2017. They really are. They've got everybody back next year outside of Morales and Volquez. I mean, they have pretty much their entire team back. And even beyond that, they'll have quite a bit of payroll flexibility after next year. I don't think the payroll is going to be anything more probably than this year, especially if Casey doesn't make the playoffs. Probably could even get cut a little bit going into next year by 5 or $10 million. But the good thing is you have so much money coming out the books after next year, and you're one year closer to that cable deal, the new one that should get the Royals several million extra dollars to 10 to $15 million extra dollars a year. So you should be able to have quite a bit of payroll flexibility going forward 2017 or sorry, 2018 and beyond as well. So there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic and some nice prospects down there, blah, blah. Blah, blah, but anyway, let's get to tonight and tomorrow because I know that this is the dish where we mainly discuss post games. But I wanted to have kind of a, a ten minute heart to heart with you right now and give you my thoughts on where things are and you know some coping mechanisms. You know, remember the last year. Look forward that we have a lot to look forward to. We have a great team. We have a great man running the organization, referring to Dayton Moore. A lot of great men around him. Character everywhere it's an organization. You can be proud of be very proud of this organization and be proud of what they've done the last couple of years and be proud of what's coming in the future because there's nothing but good things for this organization. So is it frustrating right now? Yeah. Is it anger when you watch this team every day right now? Yeah. Are you a bit bummed? Yeah. But remember where we've been, what we've done, and what we have coming up in the future. And it won't be quite so bad no matter what happens. And again, I'm not punning the 2016 season just yet. Ask me in about two weeks, and we'll see where we're at then. Player of the game tonight is Chesler Cuthbert. Cuthbert, his second player of the game this year on their dish right here. Two for four with a run and three RBIs. That, of course, includes his eighth home run of the season in the fourth inning off of R.A. Dickey of the two-run variety. Chesler also adds a double. He produced all three of Casey's runs all on his own. Chesler Cuthbert continues to produce. And another positive, obviously, from this tonight and in this team this year is a guy like Cuthbert. With his defense, with his bat, he's going to completely probably shatter and double his previous home run high in the minor leagues if you combine his MLB and AAA experience this year still just 23 years old. Hunter Dozier tearing the ball, tearing the cover off the ball, especially on the road. Ryan O'Hearns. So you've got lots of corner bats down there that could play third, first, left, right coming up in the future for the Royals. So that's good news. Gives you options. And gives you somebody you could trade in an offseason to get an upside starter with two or three years of control as well. Now, Eric Hosmer, Alex Gordon, the only other Royals to get on base twice, Haas had two singles, Gordon had two walks. Royals as a team, ten Ks, three walks, and RA Dickey, nice, nice outing. Take nothing away from him. Two runs, none of them were earned. Seven innings, four hits, eight Ks, two walks. The big story, obviously, was Chris Young tonight, whose 2016 season as a Royal starter and likely future as a Royal starter has come to an end. And not a guy that you're going to give up on by any stretch. And a guy that does have value the next year and a half as a long reliever and a leader, by example. And because of knowledge in that clubhouse. A great guy. Great guy to have out there. He'll be very valuable to the Royals the rest of this year and next year as a long reliever. But that has to be the end of him as a starter. You can't have this anymore. Would we get six innings or more one time from him this year? Less than five innings, I would guess, 80% of the time. Didn't add that up before I came on tonight. But two and a third tonight, six runs on seven hits, four Ks, but four home runs. And that's, of course, the story as it's been throughout Young's season for the Royals. His ERA now at 6.90. He has a seven ERA after home runs allowed to Josh Donaldson, Ezekiel Carrera, Josh Donaldson again, and Troy Tulowitzki. Now, interesting, and as as of the time that I'm doing this dish, I haven't heard anything on Medlin's status. I believe it was two and two-thirds. It was two-plus innings he threw in Omaha tonight, around 45 pitches, and he was taken out of the game in the middle of an inning. That's all I know. So, does that mean he had a setback and is injured? Gosh, I hope not both for, this, for the health of the 2016 Royals, but especially for Medlin. Another great guy, that's Danny Duffy's BFF, and a guy that would be very important for the Royals, and a guy who's battled through so much. Two Tommy Johns, making the comeback. You, you hate to see him have a career end. Of, you know He's basically one arm surgery away from being done, obviously, and he would tell you the same thing. At his age and with what he's already gone through. So, hopefully, it's not that. Hopefully, it's just the fact that the Royals got word that Young is being demoted and not available for a few days. Hopefully, that means that Medlin is is going to be a longer leaver for the Royals. That's the only thing I can think of is maybe they wanted to keep him fresh so that he can pitch against the Mariners on Thursday or Friday. You know, if you pull him at that many pitches, he's probably eligible to pitch Thursday or Friday at the latest. You know, and maybe you're moving Dylan G into the rotation. I don't know. I I don't think if, if Medlin was going to make his next start and in Young's spot in five days, I you know, especially with the All Star break coming up. Well, let's see. What's today? what today? It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So actually, Sunday would be Young's start. So, I, but I don't think they would pull Medlin out under 50 pitches. I mean, they would just let him probably go to 75, right? If he's going to pitch Sunday, let him get his work in, get 30 more pitches. You know, unless they decided to do that on the side, I I don't think so. So I don't know. I... I'd have to think there's probably a setback. I hope that's not right, though. I hope maybe it means that Medlin's coming up as a long guy, G sliding in the rotation, and they just wanted to keep Medlin fresh and available for Thursday or Friday against the Mariners when they come a call to the K. Now, Brooks Pounders has major league debut tonight. Look good out there. Two innings, allowed one run on three hits, three Ks and a walk, throws a heavy ball, sits at 93. We had him on Clubhouse Conversation just about three weeks ago. Great interview with Brooks Pounders. If you check it out here on the website, clubhouseconversation.com, click on current interviews, learn all about Brooks Pounders. You'll love him. Awesome guy. As I say all the time, from the three years of interviewing Royals from the big leagues down to rookie ball, he's got to be the most beloved teammate. Teammates love Brooks Pounders. Whenever you, before I talked to him for two years, I heard all about him. I knew I had to get him on the show, and I was not let down, and I don't think Royals fans will by his pitching either. A guy that was his former second round pick of the Pirates came over in that famed trade for Yamaiko Navarro, about me and one other person who remembers him, but a guy that I think does have a future with the Royals. He's been a starter throughout his minor league career. has been pitching out of the bullpen the last month. I've gotten some texts, and not texts, some tweets at Royals Clubhouse asking if he's a potential rotation candidate in KC this year. I would doubt it. They're not going to want to go too crazy with his innings this year with all the injuries he's had. And a team right now in the playoff race can't afford to experiment and put a guy and rebuild his pitch count. So no, I don't see that happening uh, unless it happens in September or late August or something like that. If the Royals are out of it or whatever. I, I don't think it happens so this year. Could happen going forward though. Welcome to KC Brooks. Though. Although it's obviously a sad situation losing Wade, but knock on wood, that's just for the short term. Now the finale tomorrow. The Royals have a coin flip chance at winning this one, I do think. Ian Kennedy expecting to pitch better than he has the last month. 6-7 and seven of four oh four versus Marcus Stroman, the Duke grad. Six and four with a five oh eight. Kennedy was not real impressive his last time at Philadelphia against a weak offense there. Gives up three runs and five innings on six hits. Has been struggling for the majority of the last four to five weeks. And on the road this year, Kennedy a five point three seven ERA. And that building against the Blue Jays bats, a fly ball pitcher. Yikes. However, with that said, the good news is Josh Donaldson, Edwin Encarnacion, and Michael Saunders have never seen Kennedy before. So maybe The Royals have an edge there, question mark, hoping, hashtag. Strowman, six and and two-thirds innings of one-run ball and five hits with six Ks his last time out, and no Royal has more than three ABs against Strowman. So there you go. Do I I think the Royals will win tomorrow? I don't even know, guys. Yeah, I do think they will. And again, coming into this road trip, if they go 4-4, four and four, which they would with a win tomorrow, you have to still think that's a decent road trip. And I said 4-4 four and four or better keeps the Royals right in the thick of things. And it would keep them within a couple of games of the wild card and at least give you a thought that they could play good enough against Seattle at home. You know, if the Royals could somehow rattle off I know this is a big if, but if the Royals can somehow rattle off four of their next five going into the All-Star break, then maybe you can dream again with Kane and Davis coming back about possibly adding and still going in for having a wild card and an outside chance at Cleveland. But the Royals are to the point now, again, where under 80 games to go, the margin for error just continues to grow thin by the day, especially with all the injuries. So fingers crossed. We'll see what happens, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals!